This episode of AHLA Speaking of Health Law is brought to you by AHLA members and donors like you. For more information, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org. Hi, I'm Norm Tabler with this month's edition of The Liar Side of Health Law. Not a leg to stand on. From the Department of You Can't Make This Stuff Up. When a former prisoner sued his doctor alleging that poor medical care resulted in the amputation of both legs, the judge threw the case out, ruling that he didn't have a leg to stand on. Seriously. Ex-prisoner Craig Salvani sued Dr. Marta Castillo, claiming it was her fault that he lost his legs. The judge ruled that Dr. Castillo's treatment was, in fact, below par, but that Salvani still didn't have a case. How could that be? Because Salvani had not alleged medical malpractice, he had sued for deprivation of his Eighth Amendment rights, alleging, quote, deliberate indifference to his well-being. And since there was some medical treatment, he could not prove deliberate indifference. Why didn't he sue for medical malpractice? The statute of limitations had run. The case is Salvani versus Corazon Health, Southern District of Florida. How to say yes. A couple of months ago, we discussed the case of a man who didn't know how to say no. He was not protected from robocalls because he told the caller he was not interested rather than simply saying, do not call. Here's a case of a man, a Harvard professor, who didn't know how to say yes. He's on trial for grant fraud and tax crimes. When the government prepared to play a tape of his conversation with federal agents, his lawyer objected, arguing that the government had proceeded with the interview even though the professor had asked for a lawyer. The government responded that the professor had not asked for a lawyer. So, exactly what had the professor said? Quote, I guess, I think, probably I should have a, an attorney. The judge ruled in favor of the government, finding that the hedging language, guess, think, probably, and should, made the statement too ambiguous to constitute a valid request for an attorney. The case is U.S. versus Lieber, District of Massachusetts, if you want something done right. You know the saying, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, according to testimony in the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos fraud trial, Elizabeth apparently believes in the saying. Elizabeth wanted to persuade Walgreens to use Theranos blood testing machines. And what could be more persuasive than endorsement by internationally known pharmaceutical giants like Pfizer and Shearing Plow? But wait. What if the endorsements aren't as glowing as Elizabeth wanted? No problem. Elizabeth simply had her own people create Pfizer and Sharing Plow letterhead and write the glowing reports. How do we know the endorsements were fake? Two ways. First, the company said so. Second, Sharing Plow's name was misspelled on the letterhead. The case is U.S. versus Holmes, Northern District, California. Oh no, not our own words. Teva Pharmaceuticals is a defendant in the giant opioid lawsuit that New York and two of its counties have brought against opioid manufacturers. Teva is desperate to prevent the jury from viewing videos that are, according to Teva, quote, incredibly prejudicial and incredibly inflammatory. What's in the videos? Well, clips from movies like Austin Powers and A Few Good Men with voices dubbed in saying Teva and its sales force are doing a lot of illegal stuff and laughing about it. Who in the world would produce videos documenting all this illegal stuff by Teva? Teva. That's right. Teva produced the videos it doesn't want the jury to see. There's been no final ruling on the case, but during the proceedings, the judge recently said, quote, you produced them, you've got to live with them, period. Ouch. The case is opioid litigation, Supreme Court of New York, Suffolk County. An attorney I don't envy. I wouldn't like to be the Hartford insurance attorney in the litigation with Lepore and Son for damage to its construction equipment in the wake of Hurricane Ida. Hartford's position is that flood damage was specifically excluded from the policy. Lepore's response was, okay, here's the policy. Show us the exclusion. That's when the Hartford lawyer had to say, well, we meant to put the exclusion in, but we forgot. But hey, it's what we meant that counts. 
The case is in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. I'll let you know how it comes out. Don't try this at home. Attorney Jim Zamuda had a crackerjack idea for delaying the hearing on whether his firm should be disqualified from a case before Judge McGee. At 4.30 the afternoon before the hearing, he filed an 829-page motion to disqualify the judge. Why should the judge be disqualified? Because, Attorney Jim alleged, the judge's wife had some unspecified financial relationship with the defendant. Instead of documenting the alleged relationship, he filled his motion with photos of the judge's wife. But why stop there? He also included photos of the whole McGee family, taken from the public pages of Facebook. They weren't relevant to the motion, but they helped fill up the 829 pages. The judge's response? He fined Attorney Jim $30,000 and ordered him to take the photos down. The case is Dreger versus Dolan Pasternak, 14th Judicial Circuit, Illinois. No wonder people hate lawyers. Attorney Matthew Donnelly was in a car in a restaurant parking lot. The restaurant was directly in front of him and cars were parked on either side. He was ready to back out when an Amazon truck stopped directly behind him. He asked the truck driver to move so he could get out. The truck driver said he'd have to wait a couple of minutes and proceeded to go into the building, leaving his truck behind Matthew's car. He was gone two or three minutes before getting back in the truck. When Matthew threatened to complain to Amazon, the truck driver said he didn't care, mocked Matthew, and drove away. For reasons known only to himself, Matthew decided to prove he is a bigger jerk than the truck driver. He filed a lawsuit against Amazon for false imprisonment and humiliation, demanding $150,000. Apparently, it's a new kind of imprisonment, the kind where your car is blocked for two or three minutes, but you're free to get out, walk around, and pick a pointless quarrel with the truck driver. I'm surprised he didn't sue the cars on either side of him. A most important character. A punctuation mark can be worth a lot of money. A couple of years ago, we discussed a case where a missing comma in a main statute was worth a cool $5 million to food delivery truck drivers. Now it's a missing apostrophe in Australia. Real estate agent Anthony Zedravic was angry with his former employer, Stuart Gann. He believed Stuart had not paid into his government retirement system, the Australian counterpart of our social security. So he wrote on Facebook, quote, Stuart Gann sells million-dollar homes but can't pay his employees' retirement contribution. But he didn't write employees with an apostrophe before the S, which would have made clear that Andrew was talking about only one employee himself. He wrote employees with no apostrophe, which indicated that he was talking about all Stuart's employees. Underpaying one account can be an oversight or technical error, but underpaying all employees would be a serious crime, which is why Stuart filed a defamation suit and why the state court of New South Wales has allowed the case to go forward, which proves yet again that punctuation marks can be very important characters. Doctor dies, patient pays the price. Her doctor died and it cost Dana Mead dearly. Dana is one of the innumerable plaintiffs who have sued the manufacturer of pelvic mesh, claiming it injured them. The court had already rejected most of the theories of her case, such as fraud and breach of warranty, but she still had one theory that was alive and well, failure to warn. Under this theory, if the manufacturer's warning had been stronger, that would have altered the decision of the doctor who prescribed the mesh. There was just one problem for Dana. Her doctor had died before the issue came up, so he couldn't testify that, yes, indeed, he would have acted differently if the warning had been stronger. No problem, argued Dana's lawyer. We'll have an expert testify how Dana's doctor would have behaved. Nope, ruled the judge. Without the prescribing doctor's own testimony, Dana has no case. Summary judgment for defendant. The case is, or was, Meade versus Ethicon, Eastern District of Arkansas. Well, that's it for this month's edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. I hope you enjoyed it. Check your AHLA Weekly and Health Law Connections magazine for the next edition.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.